I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, April 4th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and technology, all in less than seven minutes. So, Jay, $500 is the maximum amount that 69% of investors say they'd consider spending on a hotel room per a new survey, signaling that even well-to-do travelers are starting to cut costs. Jay, I know you live a pretty luxurious lifestyle when you travel, and so was $500, is that enough for you? Oh, that's more than enough. I find that it gets much more expensive when you travel to places and spend not even on nice hotels, but in high season. I can think of like upstate New York, there's parts of upstate New York we have to drive through in the summer that hotel rooms cost an arm and a leg. And then you get there and it's just like every other hotel you've ever been to. I'm surprised because $500 isn't even that much. Like if you look at hotel prices where we live in downtown Toronto, I think they average around 400, 450, especially at peak season. Or if you're here for something like TIFF, for example, 500 is on the low end. So it's pretty shocking to see that number, but it's kind of a sign of the times, in my opinion. Well, it's bad news for tourist attractions like in New York and Toronto and places that have very expensive hotels, because if that's people's cap, they're heading to somewhere else. Think of like maybe Hamilton or Sudbury in this case. Yeah, well, hey, best of luck to them. There's lots to see on the lake. You know what? That's probably for the best. I think it's good that people get to new places, see new sites to stimulate different economies. Brent, aside from hotel rooms that aren't expensive at $500, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, WWE UFC merger. For our second story, Canadian astronaut. And for our last story, the Aritzia lawsuit. For our first story, hot off of WrestleMania, the world's largest pro wrestling promotion is linking up with the world's biggest mixed martial arts brand to body slam their way to bigger broadcast deals. I actually thought this was an April Fool's headline, but apparently it's not. Brett, how is fake wrestling going to work with real MMA? Oh, this is the real deal, Jay. So Endeavor, the company that owns UFC, is acquiring WWE for $9.3 billion with plans to merge the two brands, both of which feature showboating fighters beating each other into a bloody pulp, and they're hoping to combine them into a $21 billion publicly traded entity. After returning from a leave of absence stemming from accusations of sexual assault and misuse of company funds, WWE majority stakeholder Vince McMahon, who in a recent picture looked very, very weird, Brett, I think you'll probably link to that in the show notes, announced his intentions to sell the company. Disney, Amazon, and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, as they are in almost every deal, were all reportedly interested in buying the business, which did over $1 billion in revenue last year. But in the end, Endeavor won out. And here's why it's happening. Aside from maybe the final season of Succession, sporting events are basically the only TV events that people still feel they need to see live. By teaming up, the UFC and WWE are combining forces to drive bidding wars between traditional cable and big tech disruptors for the rights to broadcast their highly coveted entertainment products. Mark Shapiro said, must-watch TV is a rarity these days, and he's Endeavor's president. He told the New York Times that, and unicorns like the UFC and WWE will be heavily in demand in this environment. Here's the bottom line. Big mergers like this probably won't be the future of sports. You couldn't name two sports brands out there that are actually more synergistic than WWE and UFC. But moves that look to capitalize on ballooning broadcast deals will be at the forefront for every league. For our second story, for Ontario's Jeremy Hansen, the sky is not the limit. NASA is sending him to space. 
Where exactly is he going, Jay? That's a good question. The former Royal Canadian Air Force pilot will be one of four astronauts on the Artemis II, the first mission to the moon in half a century. The Artemis II will loop around Earth, rocket around the moon, and head back over the course of 10 days. It's the first time a Canadian will go beyond Earth's orbit. Hansen is also taking part in an early stage of NASA's plan to establish a base on the moon and ultimately use it as a launch pad to get humans to Mars. The super long-term plan is to build a base on the lunar surface and launch spaceships called the Gateway into the moon's orbit, with research at both facilities laying the groundwork for a years-long journey to the Red Planet in the late, late, late 2030s. To catch you up, Canada started working with NASA to send its first satellite, the Alouette 1, into, or Alouette Un, into orbit in the 1960s. NASA's last trip to the moon was in 1972, and the ensuing decades declining public interest in space exploration led the U.S. government to cut related spending from about 4% of the federal budget in 1965 to 0.4% now. Space-wise, Canada's probably best known for the hulking Canadarm robotic arms that started going up on space shuttles in the 1980s, but those spacecraft stuck to Earth's orbit. Next, Artemis 2 is scheduled for launch in November of 2024, and NASA is hoping to actually land people on the moon in 2025. Well, with the price of hotel rooms here, it's no wonder. (laughs) For our third story, Canadian clothier Aritzia is having a moment in the sun, but some clouds are coming in in the form of a copyright infringement lawsuit against its viral storefront sculptures. Yeah, so here's what's happening, Jay. Artist Richard X. Zawitz is suing Aritzia over claims that squiggly metallic sculptures featured in the company's spring window displays rip off his squiggly metallic sculptures. Zawitz is seeking up to $30,000 per infringement, claiming that Aritzia's art consists of the same design and color of pieces he's been making for over 40 years. Considering that Aritzia's sculptures look essentially identical to Zawitz, it's hard not to feel that Zawitz has a pretty strong case. However, proving copyright infringement in the courts is often a struggle for artists taking on big companies. One law professor told the New York Times that the original works are protected by copyright as soon as they're recorded, but basic shapes, themes, and tropes fall into the legal gray area of fair use. And this all matters because artists have long pointed fingers at big brands who seemingly use their designs without credit. Even world-renowned artists like Banksy have brands ripping off their ideas. And in just the last year, brands like Shein, Disney, and Converse all face theft accusations. Since many artists make their living off of licensing their works, copyright infringement from companies takes money directly out of their pockets. The problem is particularly apparent in fast fashion, with one intellectual property expert telling The Guardian that design theft is growing ever more prevalent. Now to zoom out, the copyright fight between artists and brands will only get worse as AIs, trained on millions of copyrighted images, start spitting out artworks. Let the legal games begin. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good Tuesday, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.